0: My name is Peter Sir and I'm the author of Radio Carla. I suppose I've lived most of my life in in Dublin and I suppose mostly what I do is write poems. Poetry is kind of weird because poetry is no respecter of routine and Mm -hmm. poetry doesn't care how virtuous you are. You know, what time you get up in the morning, it's like if it's not going to come, it's not going to be there. So the poem will come when it's least convenient. So it's the other stuff that takes, you know, if you're writing any kind of novel or any kind of fiction, anything like like that, you kind of have to do the thing of... Sitting on a chair and watching the blinking cursor, and and just force yourself to get all the way across to the other side of the page and produce all these words. It just happens, really, or doesn't, and most of the time doesn't. So I lived in I lived in abroad for for several years after I left college when we went when there was very little alternative. We went to the uh, careers and disappointments officer, as we called him in Trinity College, and and there was nothing happening here, so we all left, and I ended up for a few years in Holland and then I spent a couple of years in Italy after that and then I came back when things were kind of taking off in Ireland in the 90s and it was kind of culturally pretty exciting and I ended up coming back and uh, got a job in the Irish Writer Centre as director of that when it started up in, in, in Dublin at the time. And I've, I've published several collections um, of poems with Gallery Press. The most recent w- were the Rooms, which came out last year and The Thing Is came out before that, and Selected Poems and so on, and have another one coming out next year. So that's the main thing. I mean, I suppose poetry is the main kind of thing, it's the center of it. Um, but in a way I think there's a kind of a short step, or at least not too long a step from poetry to, to radio drama in 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 a way, that they're they're both intimate kind of forms. They're both kind of about voices in in, in a room. So I kind of I'm drawn to that. I'm drawn to and I'm trying to hear other people's voices as well. That's the great thing about it. My name
1: is Olwen Fuere. I'm a performer, theatre maker, occasional writer, adapter, translator, film, theatre, live performance, song. It's interesting because some people call my work performance art. Performance art people would call it theatre. I think I straddle a lot of different forms, really, but the heart of it, the core of it, is performance and live performance. I was born in Ireland of Breton parents. My parents uh, came here in the late 40s. My father was a Breton militant. He was editor of a newspaper, a Breton newspaper, uh, during the occupation, and that was seen as a treasonable offence. So I had to leave France after the war. For, well, basically, they were political refugees. I mean, he went back in the 50s and got retried. and All the charges were dropped, so he was free to travel uh, and to live in France after that, but chose to carry on living in Ireland, even though my family and we all went back to Brittany very often. And, in fact, my father died in Brittany at the age of 101. He wasn't going to die in any other country. I became an actor by accident. Possibly unconscious design, but I, I was not exposed to theatre or film or television or anything really much. Occasionally when we went to France, we'd be in houses that had television. So I would see um, these fantastic, my favourite things actually, were these live recordings. Well, they couldn't have been live, maybe the technology wasn't there yet, but these recordings of plays... And I was fascinated by this single location and the, intera- the personal inter- interaction between the actors and the, um, the sound of the audience and the three beats before the play started and all of those things. So I was always very fascinated by this, this form of the thing behind the frame, behind the curtain. But I never thought of it as something that you could do or could be. And then gradually, um, I spent more time in Dublin when I was in my teens and started to see more theatre and got attracted to it as a form. I thought I was going to maybe be a theatre designer, but I knocked on the door of Deirdre O'Connell's studio and I explained to her what I wanted to do. And she said, well, you, I said, I'd like to come in and watch your studio sessions. Week, it was just weekend, Stanislavski sessions. And I said, I'd like to come in and watch. I'm quite in, very interested in the theatre. And she said, well, you can come in, but you can't watch. You have to take part. <laughs> So that's how it all started. (laughs) I was telling somebody, actually, because I've just come back from the States where I've been working, and I was telling one of the actors that I was going to do a radio play, and they went, a radio play? They were amazed. They thought it was the most wonderful thing, and I said, yeah, God, it is a wonderful thing. And actually, that was probably my first exposure to anything to do with performance was on the radio out in the west of Ireland, because there was no TV, so it was the radio. And I just think there is something extremely magical about radio.
0: I, I remember as a child, you know, playing with a—I think it was my father's—cassette recorder and creating a kind of imaginary radio studio in the attic, and just 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 and of course listening to music on the way. So I've always a kind of fascination just with tape was was because this was the first the first kind of recording
1: technology, I suppose mm-hmm. that, that that we had access to, you know, so, so that kind of thing. I'm so much about the body in space and live performance, but. The voice is a very, very powerful tool. I think what Peter's done with this piece is really, really beautiful and kind of expresses a lot of my fascination with radio, actually, because it is this person who who is reconnecting with her lover across time and space and past and future. So you actually feel this other dimension being created through how they're trying to communicate. And that's a really, really beautiful thing. and you know, we were talking about it actually uh, the, yesterday and somebody was saying, well, you know, Crap's Last Tape does that. And I said, no, not the same because Crap isn't trying to speak to his lover. You know, and there's something so beautiful about somebody who, is, you know, speak, speaking back to a, a love that was, sounds to me like was definitely the love of her life.
0: Well, I suppose like anything I write, it, it started with an image that kind of baffled me for a long time. So I had this image of, of a woman sitting in, in a room in, in a kind of imaginary Nordic country in front of a tape recorder. And so, so so that image kind of stuck with me for a while and then I had to um, kind of gradually pull her out of that and discover who she, who she was. And I suppose slowly then it began to emerge from that and I began to get a picture of of, of a woman sort of in the grip of a terminal illness trying to put some order on, on her life and going back into her past And trying to communicate with somebody that she'd had a passionate affair with in her past, and so she decided to try and make a tape. So this so I had this idea of of, of the woman in in the in the room writing a sort of tape recorded letter to 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 a former lover. That was really the thing. So I mean if and essentially I think it turned out to be a love story. This was a woman for whom English wasn't Necessarily, her first language. It was an acquired language, and that became important to the to the the way I heard her voice. In that, she has a particular relationship with the language. English is is kind of familiar yet strange to her at the same time. She's kind of relishing the words as she's kind of speaking them. So that so that was important as as part of the act of communication, if you like. And it's you know it's part of the technology that we that we use. We're surrounded by technology. Technology infiltrates every aspect of our lives. So it's kind of it's kind of normal for us to be photographing and recording ourselves all the time, uh, every possible th- um, action. And yet it's deeply strange as well. I mean, ima- imagine if somebody said to you, I want you to put on tape what you think are the you know, the most important things, or I want you to address your wife, your lover, your friend. And, and you know, and you think, what would you actually say to them? What would you actually try and hold on to? What would you try and preserve? I think that's one of the things that interested me about this as well. It was this, It is a love story, but it's also a life story in the sense of here is a woman trying to hold on to, to life through, through language, through words, through this recording that, that she's making and so the language is part of that kind of slightly maybe even desperate attempt to, to hold on uh, and the sound it. of the voice the sound of the voice the sound, yeah, of, the the sound voice. of the voice that's yeah. the,
1: one of the most erotic things yeah. you know to be able to hear your lover's voice yeah. like you know i've i've phoned to hear the answering machine sometimes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. now the answering machines don't yeah. exist really anymore you get a kind of electronic voice
0: <laughs> That's the funny thing is because we're surrounded, because I mean, again, we're surrounded by communication technology, but uh, and all that stuff, the Facebook and the Twitter and all, but it's all, it's all visual or it's all, uh, it's verbal, mm. but it's not to do with the sound, the sound of people's voice, voices. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. And I, I think the other beautiful thing that Radio Carla has as well is that it's the extreme intimacy of it. It's to one person, it's, you know, it's to, to that very particular person, but and this is a little bit like the intimacy that I feel radio gives us universally, is you can be lying in bed listening to it, and somebody can be driving their car halfway across the world listening to it, but you can be incredibly private listening to it, which you can't be when you go to the theatre. It's not the same sort of privacy. There's something very, and it's very erotic because of that, I think, as well.